Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Visibility Playground. Today we have someone who I have been following. I want to say, I feels like it's been years. It's been years. And every time that I see her, I see her put herself out there. She's always so polished. Her stuff is together. And it, and it makes complete sense because of what she does. So I'm going to cue the intro and we will be right back. Hey guys, Carrie here, and welcome to the Visibility Playground podcast. The podcast that shares visibility journeys of entrepreneurs and teaches listeners how to use visibility to build their brand and attract an audience of raving fans and customers. Every week, we will be bringing you stories and advice from entrepreneurs who've achieved visibility success, as well as helpful tips and strategies to help you grow and scale your business and really get it in the way that you always wanted. So join us and let's create a world where your story of your business is seen and heard. Larissa! Oh my gosh. So I've been obsessed with you for years. Oh. I feel like I have never told you, but know, know that I've been obsessed. Oh, well, thank you, honey. Well, like, I feel like you're, I, I love I feel like you're you always so amazing. Everything you do is always with just like that, that touch of elegance and just class. And I'm like, she's my type of girl. Oh. Well, thank you so much because, well, I love what you're doing too. So, thank you. mutual. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, you are in the PR space. And I feel like PR is one of those things that scares everybody even more than putting themselves out there. I'll be honest, I will raise my hand and say, Me too. Uh, because I'm like, Am I ready? Do I have my stuff together? Am, am I doing enough? to even be ready for PR, like all of those questions start coming in and then you're like, well, they're out there pushing me. So like, there's more people that are going to see me than when I just do the stuff by myself. Um, so my question to you would be one, like kind of what kind of got you into PR? Like what was like, this is my lane. And then let's get into like how to like start thinking about that for entrepreneurs. Perfect. I love it. Okay. So Ooh, how did I get into this? That's a really great question, Carrie. Um, it was my father because, yeah, my dad, he was an amazing, like, I, I guess you'd call him a polygot, I guess, to a degree. So he and my mother, they produced the largest ethnic festival in Canada. Oh. And it grew from being a one-day event in this park um, called It's Your, it's Your Bag was back in the 70s because I'm old um, and then it, it ballooned to four days with over a hundred thousand um, people it, it was like a, they is like the Canada long weekend in July so all the ethnic groups put their tents up in this giant park and they sold their food and drinks and there was dancing and music and arts and crafts and blah. and my dad did everything and we're talking like this is back old school like I remember him putting together ads for the newspaper and you I mean, you guys don't even probably know this even existed, but there used to be these sheets and you would like scratch and transfer the letters. And I remember my dad like, like watching him in the office and then him, you know, like doing all the PR. And then he used to be, he, um, he was like the, like, like a mayor back in the 50s. So he was always very, you know, great on, on camera. And then, and then I started to help him when I got a little bit older to, you know, get the word out there. And then, um, I was a professional dancer. So when I retired from dancing professionally, I was in a, like a non-professional company and um, I started doing PR stuff to help the company. And then one of my friends in the, in the group actually opened 
a PR agency and she got grew to the point where she needed to hire someone and, and she knew I was a good writer and I was helping out. And so she was like, well, do you want to come work for me? I'm like, sure. Great. So that was my first gig. And that kind of ballooned uh, to a career. And um, I ended up working at for Alberta Ballet. And then I got into the film and television industry. Um, did some production work as well as a producer. I, I, I was actually a journalist. I had my own column in an arts magazine, two different arts magazines. And then I was working on a movie of the week here in Costa, it was filming here in Costa Rica where I live now. And I ended up uh, meeting a really cute, um, really cute actor on set from here and ended up leaving everything behind and moved down. And actually today is our 20th wedding anniversary. Aww. So, um, <laughs> How yeah, cute crazy, right? okay guys. So what she's telling you is go to Costa Rica, hang out in the film world, meet a cute <laughs> actor, and then just like, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Yeah. So but this is where it gets kind of twisty and turvy. So because that was in 2002 and back then, like you were very much in your silo for uh, public relations, right? So um, I didn't speak Spanish at that point. I had been in the film and television industry, so I did not have any contacts here. And so I, I, out of necessity, out of necessity, I opened a destination wedding planning company because I had to do something here, right? And making three dollars an hour teaching English was not cutting it. And um, but we didn't have social media back then. There was no Facebook ads. There was nothing. You either like, bought ads and, and glossy magazines, or you got yourself into magazines through PR. So I'm like, okay, well, I know how to do PR, but I I didn't know the, the I didn't have contacts in that world of weddings and travel. So I, I found someone who was starting her own agency. She just was leaving from a giant agency to go on her own. I became her first client at a really discounted rate. And she, we did a whole media thing in New York. Like I went and met with the editors of Martha Stewart Weddings and Brides, Modern Bride. And I, I actually was on Martha Stewart Living Radio. They had a half hour interview with me. Yeah, it was so cool because I went to the big studios like, you know, Howard's, Howard Stern's office was there. Yeah. So anyways, but because of that, I started we, our wedding started getting into all the magazines and we were the first uh, uh, first real wedding south of Mexico that made it into a major outlet. And because of this uh, visibility, what happened was Destination Weddings and Honeymoons magazine put together what they called the A-list top 30 planners in the world. And Guess who? Guess who made it? Yeah, it was me. That was so. That was in my my uh, third year of business. And was I the top thirty in the world? I don't think so. But they saw me, so the perception was because I was everywhere. I had to be because of this award. Um, all of a sudden, I got you know credible because before that, I had a lot of you know a lot of parents were like you know. My daughter wants to get married in Costa Rica. Like, I don't know, are you guys living in grass huts down there? And I, I send my money down there. But because of this credibility and this like, you know, wow, if you made it, we hit seven figures in our fourth year of business. Yeah. So, yeah. And that was all publicity. There was no ads. There was no social media. Um, and we eventually uh, grew to be 14 employees. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. So I've I have since pivoted back to you know just doing uh, PR, and I have a PR agency, and I help entrepreneurs because it is I think the redheaded stepchild of the visibility game for business. Yeah, because everybody's scared of it because it's, it's, it seems so big, and like you have to be ready, you have to be prepared, you have to have your stuff together. And I feel like as we know our budding entrepreneur friends. 
don't we don't always have our stuff together. We have everybody else's stuff together. But when it comes to our stuff, it's not always in tip top shape to say, hey, person, can you share this with the world? Well, I'm going to let you and the listeners in on a little secret. There's no sign that says you must be this high to get on the ride. Okay. There is no gatekeeper. Yeah. There's nothing that, there's no yardstick. There's no marker you have to pass before, I don't know, if the media suddenly says, oh, okay, well, we're ready to interview now. That does not exist. All right. When I teach about media, I, I, I liken it to baseball, right? You've got your, your little league, you got your minor league, and then you've got your major league. Now, just like you would never expect to go up to bat your first time at the middle of the World Series, right? You shouldn't, I know everyone wants to be on the cover of Forbes. That's a great idea, but you got to start somewhere. So even if you are just starting out, you are ready because, you know, your story is going to evolve. And there is like a zillion, especially now there's because we're in a 24 seven news cycle and they need stories. Like this is the thing. There's not, the media is not in some ivory tower, you know, like, oh, we'll see who's, you know, who we Dane is going to be good enough for us to talk to. No, having been a journalist, I can tell you we're like, they're always overstressed. They're on deadline. They're like, you're like oh, you want to give me some, you want to make it easier for me? <laughs> exactly. So you need to, I mean, I'm going to, this is something that probably no one has told people, but it is going to be the fundamental shift in your mindset that will change everything. Here it goes. You ready? Right. The media needs you just as much as you need them. Okay. So when you start approaching the media, not from a place of hat in hand, no, please, sir, give me an article. Um, <laughs> but you start, <laughs> you know, if you switch that story around that, hey, they need great content, they need expert uh, insights, because guess what? They're not the experts on what you do. They're experts if it's a, you know, they're experts on interviewing, if they're on the TV or radio, they're experts on writing, if they're a journalist. That's their wheelhouse. But they don't know the ins and outs of your industry. They need you because they don't know what to talk about. They don't know um, how do I frame this or what are the, you know, the tricks and trades of uh, tips of the trade? Like what are things that are going to be so juicy and um, that people are just going to lean in and want more because they don't know that, right? So when you change that approach and you come at it with like, guess what? I know you're a busy person. You have to serve your audience. I'm going to give you the best, juiciest, most million, like the things people would pay me a thousand dollars an hour to talk about. I'm going to give to you and your audience for free. Here, everything's on a silver platter. I made it really easy for you. And that, when you approach it as a partner with the media, because ultimately they have to serve their audience. Just like you have to serve your customers and clients, they have their customers and clients are the audience. If they're not giving them amazing content, then their audience is going to shuffle on over to their, their competitor. And if they don't have eyeballs and ears, then they don't have a business because they need that audience, audience members. For, inter for for to sell advertising. So when you start thinking about it from that, like that viewpoint, all of a sudden it starts to make a completely different approach and make sense. 
So yeah, so I mean, the thing is there are a million different outlets. So look for those little league outlets to start with, right? Get your feet wet, get, you know, get your training wheels going. And then once you've had a few interviews and you're gonna know how the game's played, you're gonna know how to talk about things, how to frame things, and then you can start ascending the ladder. But I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, what a waste of time, like these little rinky-dinky outlets. Those rinky-dinky outlets are going to have your most rabid fans, right? Case in point, um, one of my clients, Wendy Conklin, who is like amazing, um, she owns, uh, it's called Chair Whimsy. So she teaches women how to refurbish chairs. And she's done, she's got a multi-six-figure business doing this. She's brilliant. So we got her on to a very specific uh, podcast called thrift diving. And it's about people who like to, you know, secondhand stuff and refurbish it. So that's a very, very specific niche, right? Mm -hmm. Well, like this, they also have a YouTube channel and that's part of the podcast. She got a hundred thousand views in a week on that podcast interview. She got a thousand subscribers within a week from that podcast and when she opened her cart two weeks later, she sold, uh, it was like, it was, I think, low five figures from a $400 um, offer because of, and she could trace it right back because she it was, they were tagged, right? She's still getting, that was a year and a half ago. She's still getting subscribers. She's still getting people because it was her perfect, like the rabid fans. Now, she also got into Forbes. Fantastic, right? but she didn't get a slew of subscribers because they weren't her rabid fans, right? Like they're huge, they're business oriented that we're talking about her business, but the people who read that weren't the type of people who were like, Oh, I, you know, I'm a 55 year old woman who suddenly has all this free time in my hands. I want to get creative. This looks like the perfect opportunity. So you got to have that balance. Like whenever we work with clients, we make sure, you know, we, we get some of the big guns, for that credibility and the visibility and like, ooh, the cachet. But where you're really going to see your ROI is on those smaller, very specific niche outlets. I love that. So where, what would you say is something that someone should do to get started if they're not ready? Or there's actually two questions now. Yeah. First. What would you say for people who are who are maybe not ready to hire someone? Where should they start? Okay, you can. I mean, in all honesty, you don't need to hire a publicist. I, I mean, it's like I know. I know. You don't have to, but it's like doing your taxes or changing the oil in your car. Yeah, you can do it, but it's going to be a lot more messy and a lot more time consuming and a lot more frustrating than than hiring someone to do it for you who's an expert and that's all that they do. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's my little caveat. But when you're starting out, right, um, I feel like I always say that podcasting is kind of like the, the entry drug to to PR because there's um, 2.1 million podcasts online and there's new like I think 1200 per per week coming online. So there's literally a podcast for everything. And, you know, don't try and get on to like, you know, I'm going to aim for the entrepreneur on fire or those top those like by the way, you have to pay to be on that podcast. Yeah. When you, when you get to certain levels like that, they start charging. So, but I mean, do your homework. So, so if you, 
you want to go where your ideal client is, right? So let's be strategic about this because your time is limited. So here's what you're going to do. If Where are they hanging out? What do they listen to? If you don't know, ask. Put up a, you know, in your email, do a quick email like, hey, guys, like I'm looking for a new podcast about whatever your, your, your uh, niche is. What's your favorite podcast on niche? They'll tell you. Put it, you know, do it as a, a, on your social media. Put it in your Facebook. Put it on your Instagram. People will tell you. So there you go. Boom. I've got my research. I know exactly where to go. There's your list. So then what you want to do is go and listen to at least two episodes, like, and actually listen. Just see, make sure, is it a good fit? There's some podcasts, they don't take guests. If that's the case, like, don't even bother. Right? Please. Like, I would do solo episodes. Yeah, but it's me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm going to change. Oh, it's you. I'm going to change my entire structure. No problem. Right? But I'm going to give you, like, and here's the secret tip. All right? Because you want, I mean, I know podcasters, like, you must know, Carrie. Like, I have a friend who's a podcaster, and he says he's got 65 hits, like, requests per week to be on his podcast. And he's like one episode per week. So, you know, it's, it's a, it is a numbers game, but a lot of those people don't pay attention and they're just like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, they're, they're going for podcasts that don't even match what they talk about. So go and listen and make sure it is a fit. Then golden tip here, leave a thoughtful comment on that podcast. Hey, mm-hmm. that, that point that, you know, so-and-so brought up about blah was really made me think. And, but don't just say, I like this episode. Like, make show that you were listening and it made you think. Then go and leave a five-star review on iTunes and give, again, like a two or three sentence meaningful uh, review, not just, I really like this podcast. Because guess what? Most people don't bother to do that. So right off the bat, you're putting yourself as the creme de la creme, and you're going to get onto the radar of that podcaster. So then when you do go and reach out, hey, I really enjoyed your episode with so-and-so the other day. Um, I, you know, you talked about this. I think that this would be a great addition to the conversation. I was thinking that, you know, here's what I could talk about and give them like three different ideas for conversation. You know, what do you think? And then as a PS, tell them, here's how I can know, hey, I know that um, getting visibility is really important. Here's what I can offer. If I'm uh, on your podcast, I'm going to be able to share it to my media, my social media audiences of whatever thousand and also as, you know, to my email and as a blog post. So when you show them like, hey, I appreciate you and I know that they you need visibility just as much as I do. Show them that you're going you're gonna to come up to bat and, and help play. And then do a PPS and go, by the way, I left you a five-star review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And get, uh, give them a really nice, you know, short little bio, no more than two or three sentences. You know, I, we call this a boilerplate. So written in third person, the five W's, who you are, what you do, who you serve, what makes you an, an expert, and how to get in touch with you. Right. Like, because remember, people are skimming. So don't get in. Don't write war and peace. Like just boom to get to the point. Don't be like, oh, I hope you're well. No, don't don't like nobody that if anything, especially for journalists that drives them crazy. Like that's the quickest way to go into your the, the delete box because they don't have time for niceties. 
So anyway, so once you start getting a couple of podcasts under your belt, um, then you can start doing, you know, go reach out for print. If you went to college or university, guess what? They have alumni magazines. They need to promote successful alumni. And again, they're part of your tribe, right? Like those are going to be people who are your rabid fans. Like, oh, you went to, like, I went to York University. Oh, you went to York? I went to York. Oh, well, you must be cool because I'm cool. Go yeoman, right? Oh, I need a publicist. I'm going to go check her out because obviously we, we were, we're, aligned. we're aligned. So start playing into the psychology of people because people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And if you can shorten that by getting into, like, if you're into hobbies, right? Like, Maybe you're a distance runner. Well, here's a great story idea. Approach running the, the running magazines. There's a gazillion of them, and pitch them a story about how, um, like, if you're a marathon runner. If I don't know if anyone's ever run distances, but you've hit, you hit the wall. I used to be a runner, and it's just like you know, you you just think you can't go another step. Well, the business owners, guess what? We all hit that wall as well. Oh my God, I'm gonna lose everything. Oh my God, like I don't like I got all these bills. What am I gonna do? Oh, so you can talk about how being a runner gave you the skills to be able to push through the wall as a business owner, mm. right? So find unique ways to tie in your hobby to your business. So because you, you can't be blatantly promoting yourself. Like that's the thing about PR. It's not advertising. It's showing you, where value could be served together. Exactly. You bring the value. Like think about yourself. If you've like, read you can tell something in those newspapers that's what we call advertorial where it's basically like a really big long commercial okay and, and, and how likely are you to read that man right because it's just self-serving but if you read something in a magazine or in a blog or in a, in a newspaper that's written by a journalist you're reading it because you're expecting to get value because it's a neutral third party who's doing the interviewing and because they have nothing to gain monetarily. That's why we trust the media over advertising. In fact, being in the media is seven times more credible than being in an ad. And that's why we say the ROI of, of PR is 10 times greater than anything you can get in social media or an, an ad, right? Because so even with social media, you are in the driver's seat in control of the messaging. And we all know, we look at people's Instagram, you're like, yeah, right, you're just, we're just seeing the highlight reels. But in order to be able, when we're presented in the media, is we've gone through those gatekeepers, right? Like the media is saying, this is someone who's real. This is someone who has a message that's worth listening to, and that's why we're sharing it. So right off the bat, it's like, boom, your credibility just goes sky high, not and not to mention your visibility. Did you know that Business Insider has over 73 million unique viewers per month? That's crazy. So, yeah, obviously not everyone's going to see your article in there. But even if you just get in a fraction of those, you know, like how much would it like, how much time would you have to spend on social media to get even just a small portion of that? Right. So. This is how valuable it is. In fact, um, because we, we don't have hard ROI in, in PRs, so it's a kind of like a soft science. So what we do do is we use something called AVE, Advertising Value Equivalency, which means if I were to go and buy an ad that same size of the article I was just in, how much would it cost? 
case in point, when you know, our client got into Business Insider, I think you know La Latoya Russell. Yes. You know, yeah. So Latoya got into we got her into Business Insider, and they were very. I mean, it took a couple of months because they were super careful about the financial. She had to prove all of her, her P and L statements, her uh, accounting from the accountants, because if they don't want to put any figures or facts in, unless they have absolute proof. So after everything and got into the the um, into the magazine, that article had she purchased that space would have been over $333,000. And with that, with Business Insider, because I know a couple of people that I know that have been in it, is that that's not a paid one, like, because um, I know Forbes is paid, I heard. No. Here's the thing about, okay. And this is thing that, as a publicist, this drives me crazy, because um, you real publicity is not pay to play, okay? You're there because you're on the merit of your messaging and your story and the value you have to share, mm -hmm. right? What happens with the Forbes? There's something called Forbes contribute, um, Forbes Council. Mm. So Forbes Council is you pay, I think, I don't know, some ridiculous amount to be part of the Forbes Council, and then you get to publish on their Forbes Council. Now, the thing is, if you publish as a Forbes Council member, you are black listed from ever being an actual contributor to Forbes. Yes. Yeah. And there were some writers at Forbes who were um, doing the pay to play, which is completely against journalistic ethics. So last March, um, Forbes cleaned house. They fired over 200 journalists. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, because I was talking to somebody and they were like, yeah, we can get you. I can get you in this Forbes article. But it's this, 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 and I'm like, ooh, a little yeah. pricey. <laughs> no, the moment someone starts asking you to pay for something, run the other way. Just run the other way because it's not journalistically ethical. So when something like, let's say, Forbes and Business Insider, you said with like Latoya, she had to show like her, um, show like her accountant. Um, documents and P&Ls and things like that, does that mean that with Forbes and Business Insider, they're more looking at metrics, like your metrics numbers as highlights? No. What happened with, okay, it was, it was because that particular story was about how LaToya, you know, went from starting this, uh, from working for, you know, I don't know, just above minimum wage as an office worker to um, creating, uh, becoming a VA, and then she dialed it in to being um, specialized in auto, um, automations. And so then she got specialized and now she has a school where she teaches others how to be specialized VAs. And we were talking about how she went from there to like, I think it was like $250,000 within like a matter of like two or three years. So because the story was talking about how much money she made in her mm. business, we had to present those facts and figures and, and they went through it with a fine tooth comb. But um, other stories we've done where we're not talking about uh, finances or, you know, profit or anything like that, they don't require that. Mm. Right? It's I like that, though, because now now in the back of my head, every time I see a figure on Business Insider, I'm like, okay, girl. <laughs> because oh, a lot yeah. of times people don't do that background check, that background it took work. It three months. Three mm. months from the pitch to the publish. Because, you know, like the writer would come back and like, okay, now the editor wants this, this, and this. 
Okay. Then be like, okay, now the editor wants this, this, and this. Like, this is a thing when you're dealing with these, like the major league outlets like this, um, they have very long lead times, for example. Um, like, you know, HGTV magazine uh, took, uh, by the time, because they actually sent a crew to Wendy's house. They had a stylist, they had hair and makeup, uh, you know, a clothing person, the photographers, the assistants, it was a whole crew. And they flew them to her house in, in Texas. But that took, I think it was almost nine months of setting up. Mm. So oh, also having yeah. kind of the, that mid, those, those ranges of the um, little league, minor league, major league also gives you that visibility piece, even while you're waiting for those other ones. Exactly. And the thing is, because we're in this 24 hour, 24 seven news cycle, and um, there's just an explosion of outlets, what's happening now, there's a lot more um, syndication. Mm -hmm. So for example, when um, uh, Latoya got into Business Insider, I remember they ran it once. And then like two or three months later, they ran it again. And then it got picked up by other business insider outlets, like in, I think like in Australia and somewhere else. But then other outlets also picked it up and ran it. So that one story she got, I think it was at least seven, seven other outlets ran it so as well as some blog posts, like some blogs picked it up. So and like it still got legs, like even like almost a year after it was published, it's still being picked up. So. Guys, like this, we definitely have to have a part two of this because I'm over here like so many questions. This is so good. Okay, so Larissa, where can people find you? Okay, well, it makes it easy. I'm the only Larissa Banting in the world. So and she's also super amazing. So like, oh, right, thank you. But yeah, so I just <laughs> pop on over LarissaBanting.com, and um, I do have some some freebies down there, and uh, yeah, I have some blog posts and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, come on over and um. I've got like my free, it's called 365 days to power up your publicity. So it, it shows you the calendar of all the different free, you know, like talk like a pirate day and national taco day and all of those days and, and special months throughout the year. And that's a great way to get started because if you don't know, well, what, what could I do? Start looking there. What are days that you could showcase your business, your expertise and give a fresh new spin to the media because they're always looking for something new, especially with these, you know, annual events that oh, come love up. That. Love that. I love that. I love that. Guys, I'm going to get to um, say goodbye to Larissa and we're going to cue the intro and we will see you next time. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Visibility Playground podcast. If you're now like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to dive into my visibility, or you're just like, I just want to assess where I am in my visibility journey, take the Visibility Vitals Check Quiz. You can go to www.visibilityvitalquiz.com. I will make sure that I put it in the show notes, but make sure that you go take the quiz, DM me, let me know how it went. Talk soon.